Hey, Natalie, guess what? What? Today is our 16th episode of Recording the Term. How does it feel? It's pretty amazing. It's been going by so quick. Honestly, I didn't realize I we know. were up to 16. I know. It has been great. And that's why I want to hear from our listener to see what they have to think as well. Um, because we really like to have some more reviews of our show. This helps us get you know more visibility in the podcast world and gets more listeners on board. So please hit a few stars uh, wherever you're listening and leave us a review so that tell us what you like and what you enjoy and help share the joy that is Law 360's The Term. All right. And now on to our episode. Welcome to The Term, a podcast about the Supreme Court by Law360. I'm Jimmy Hoover. I cover the court for Law360 here in Washington, and joining me now from our New York studio is co-host and Law360 editor-at-large, Natalie Rodriguez. Hey, Natalie, how's it going? Hey, Jimmy. So it's basically winter break for the Supreme Court justices. They are in recess until late February, so they've got a lot of downtime. Um, but, you know, a lot of these justices have been really hitting up the social scene, uh, the legal social scene in the ward circuit uh during these weeks. So we're going to spend the next uh, few minutes really talking about what they've been up to. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in addition to all the briefs and things that they have to keep up with, you know, they're pretty hot commodities for a lot of these different groups. So they're constantly, you know, being invited to different galas and being awarded different things. And so, yeah, that creates kind of a a lot of uh, obligations outside of the court that they have to uh, make good on. And I know uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in particular has been uh, pretty busy, and uh, you've been keeping up with her, right? Yeah, I mean, well, she was down by your neck of the woods like earlier in the week, and she was up here for um, an, uh, another kind of uh, social event last night, which I, I attended with our audio producer, Steve. And uh, I have to say, it's like just trying to keep up with her schedule has me tired. <laughs> so I don't know how she's doing it. Yeah, she's like notoriously busy. Um, notorious, I dropped that in there. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, you know, on her, I think it was her last financial disclosure. She she had reported something like fourteen different visits to different places across the country because she's got films about her and she's being awarded things. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you're having a hard time keeping up with eighty uh, six year old Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, I really am. I, I mean, so like I was at the event that she was at last night, um, the New York City BART Association. Every other year they put together this musical comedic roast of a highly regarded member of the legal community. Past honorees have included former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff, and the late Justice Antonin Scalia. And this year, it was uh, time for Justice Ginsburg to get hosted and roasted. Um, so it was it was pretty interesting. It was a pretty fun night, I think. I think she enjoyed it, um, from what I could t- tell uh, from my seat. Um, She's a pretty famous, uh, you know, fan of opera. So I imagine that you know that was probably her scene, right? Yes. So they they styled um, the whole show kind of based on an opera in in her honor. Um, And it was all these New York attorneys who kind of have talents of singing and dancing on the side, these secret talents. And they were playing her and playing, you know, key roles of people in her life, um, like the other justices and and her late husband, Marty. Um, And and basically, it just kind of showed uh, kind of 
all these different aspects of her life, you know, kind of her her rise to becoming the notorious RBG, um, you know, her 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 work um, on gender equality issues um, in her early life, her meeting of her her late husband, um, and, and her her relationship with uh, the late Justice Antonin Scalia, which uh, I think those kind of got the best uh, reaction of you know in terms of applause and laughter, and and uh, we actually have a clip here uh, for you guys to to all listen to. I just met a judge named Scalia And suddenly I know We'll argue to and fro for years Scalia I just read a brief by Scalia And though he's off his nut How lucky am I that we're peers Scalia Read his words and there's genius gleaming Though he's stuck on original meaning (laughs) Scalia I'll always dissent from Scalia So it was it was a pretty fun night, I think. Um, and afterwards, uh, Justice Ginsburg uh, got on the stage to thank everyone and had a few words and, and got a, a little bit of laughter herself. I wondered how the city bar would manage to spoof me for, if truth be told, as it was told by Kevin. I am not a very funny person. <laughs> but the Twelfth Night crew, as you have seen, is marvelously talented. So again, bravo to all involved in the production. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a musical couple of days for <laughs> Justice Ginsburg. Uh, yeah, when she was down here in D.C. Uh, bef- uh, at the end of the month in January, she was uh, awarded uh, by the LBJ Foundation at the Library of Congress. Um, and it was interesting; they had James Taylor performing. So she was, you know serenaded by you know one of the america's famous uh you know folk musicians there so i i'm just wondering maybe she'll be at the at next year's grammys and you know, <laughs> have a, i'm have sure she would love that in her honor <laughs> yeah. anyway moving on to uh justice clarence thomas um yeah he was busy as well he went down to disney world on january 31st shortly after we recorded last week's episode and uh, spoke at the federal society the 2020 annual florida chapters conference of the federal society uh, and he was interviewed by a former clerk uh, dc circuit judge uh gregory katsis um and you know while uh, we weren't able to attend um uh, the Wall Street Journal did have a, a, a story about his appearance, and it was kind of interesting. He made some news um, talking about uh, recent ethics proposals um, from the Judicial Conference of the United States. And so these this new proposal would bar federal judges from being members of, you know, these legal groups like the Federalist Society, which is, you know, a conservative organization, and the American Constitution Society, which is kind of its liberal counterpart, um, Obviously, there have been, you know, the Federal Society has provided, you know, a ton of judge, uh, judicial nominees to the Trump administration, even the, the Bush administration before it. And so now this idea that no sitting judges can be members of these groups is, has really caused kind of, um, you know, a, an out, uh, you know, a, a backlash in, in 
uh, DC's legal community. And, and just as Thomas kind of made a quip about it um, at the event, according to this Wall Street Journal article where he said, and so now I think they're about to silence the Federal Society, so I guess I can't come back, he kind of joked. And uh, Judge Katsis, um, you know, his former clerk who now sits on the D.C. Circuit, says, you know, some of us are fighting back. Um, and so that just, you know, goes to show that, yeah, it, it has triggered a lot of debate. And I think it's still in the proposal phase, so expect to hear uh, more of this. Is it true, though, that justices like Justice Thomas would be barred from being able to speak at these events? I know that would basically change all their, their you know, recess plans if that is the case. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No more Disney World trips for you. Well, two points of, you know, clarification there. So the draft itself actually says that it's, quote, broadly permissible for, for you know, uh, federal judges to participate in, you know, federal society events, panels, speaking engagements, things like that. But then the second point, the more obvious one, is that you know, th this is guidance for the code of conduct for U.S. judges, which doesn't actually even apply to Supreme Court justices. So they are, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the fact that um, it doesn't apply. But nevertheless, it doesn't. There have been bills introduced um, to kind of uh, change that. But so far, it doesn't seem like it would uh, prevent Justice Thomas or any other justice going from or speaking at uh, events from, you know, the Federal Society or the American Constitution Society. Well, I'm sure that's good news for the justices, uh, for their ears <laughs> and their travel plans. Um, speaking of traveling, uh, up here in New York, I also got to see uh, Justice Elena Kagan um, last week on January 31st. She was honored by the State Bar Association. Um, and this was a, quite a glitzy event. It was, um, you know, the State Bar, the New York State Bar Association hasn't thrown like their annual gala for quite a long time for like decades but they decided to kind of bring it back and this was like the first year back um where everyone in their membership would be invited to like the annual gala um and they threw it at the american museum of natural history in that big room underneath the kind of like iconic blue whale there were like a thousand people <laughs> in attendance and you got to see like all of like new york's like top lawyers kind of dressed in nines and tuxedos and glitzy gowns so it was, it was kind now, of a now cool was, event. Uh, was producer steve in a, in a tuxedo at this event no <laughs> no he he was in a suit though he was in a suit <laughs> oh, man. and no gown for me either i was uh just kind of in a, a nice regular plain old dress <laughs> so that we wouldn't stand out too much uh from from everyone but um yeah you know and it was it was pretty cool um you know so justice kagan was getting an award and as part of that um event she had this kind of fireside chat with a former law school classmate of hers st john's university law professor john barrett um and she just touched on a range of topics you know from growing up five blocks away from the museum um to hunting with justice scalia to you know how the Supreme Court is kind of this time capsule where like nothing changes. Um, she 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 was talking uh, how you know when she became the justice, uh, a lot of the same people were there from when she clerked uh, for for former justice, and that there you know all these kind of same procedures like you know walking memos around rather than you know sending them electronically. As a as a as a reporter who covers the Supreme Court, I can definitely attest to the fact that it's pretty slow to take up new technological <laughs> advancements. It took many years of of promising um, the online docket that was debuted a couple terms ago. So, 
I'm still just grateful for that that even exists now. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I think she might be too. Um, I, I, you know, she she said that you know she's she's she she thinks it still works, but you kind of got a hint that maybe like she she could uh, perhaps embrace some new improvements to to, to some of the processes. Um, one thing that I I really kind of enjoyed like hearing her speak was, was she kind of gave a peek into her opinion writing process. Um, and here, you know, we can share that. Uh, we, we, got, we got some audio, so we're going to share that here with you. I, I always ask a clerk of mine to, to do a draft, um, but then I, I always open up a new document on my computer and start all over again. And, um, and that's because I've just never found a clerk who writes like me. I, it doesn't mean that they don't write really well. Some of them write better than me, but I've never found somebody who writes like me, and I want all my opinions to sound like one person wrote them. And, uh, and also, for me at least, and, and people vary on this, but for me at least, I don't feel as though I've truly, truly, truly understood a case until I write my way all the way through it. And there are just so many things that I discover that I wouldn't have discovered except for the fact that I was just writing from start to finish. Um, so it's a little bit frustrating to be a Kagan clerk sometimes because you do not see your words in the US report. Um, but the work that they do was really invaluable to me in getting me to think about all the things that I should be thinking about. And then uh, I use my clerks to do a ton of editing on me and I really tell them, just you know, tell me when I should throw the whole thing out. Uh, and, uh, and and they take their revenge that way. So <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel I feel for the clerks, um, but I also feel like they're like in a pretty cool position to to be able to kind of edit the Supreme Court justice uh, so severely. She seems pretty open to to good edits. Um, it seems from her clerks. But then there was the biggest news of the night, right? Yeah, the biggest news of the night was that Justice Kagan owns uh, RBG's workout book and is also secretly on Twitter. Since this has become a big thing with Supreme Court justices, do you have an exercise regimen? You know, I'm going to let Justice Ginsburg just do that. I I think that's where I'll draw the line. And I have Justice Ginsburg's exercise regimen book, you know? (laughs) What about social media? Are you a user? Uh, I am a lurker. Yeah. uh, Not on everything. I've never had a Facebook account. But I, I do lurk on Twitter, so I, uh, on, you know, I use a different name and I never tweet myself. But you know, it's sort of interesting what you see sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Twitter thing I had suspected because she, you know, she mentioned it at oral arguments once that she said, you know, everyone's on Twitter. We got like every state AG's office around the country. And I was thinking to myself, well, does that include members of the Supreme Court? <laughs> and yeah, now she confirmed that she is indeed a lurking. Yeah, and, and, and Jimmy, your tweet uh, kind of got uh, some, some viral... Uh Viral attention from uh, minor, minor viral, <laughs> minor viral attention. attention. The- Although, like, so they're they're like uh, a lot of the responses to your tweet about this were that they were trying to get um, Ashley Feinberg, who's kind of well known for like figuring out secret Twitter accounts of people, to figure yeah. it out for for Justice Kagan. So we'll see if that ever uh, ever gets. Uh, to happen in the in the case of james comey though uh, whose twitter account she had 
doxed, I guess you would say, um, there were some clues that uh, had led her to some breadcrumbs yeah. there that he had yeah. left behind. Like there was crossover accounts that he had followed. So I think Justice Kagan may be a little bit more sophisticated in covering her tracks. So I don't That's know if anyone's going to be able to unearth hers. And, and off air, you and I have talked about, um, I think that you have a, a secret suspicion that Justice Roberts might have a, a Twitter account, right? I mean, I think that probably all of them take a glance at Twitter from time to time, whether they do so with their own burner accounts or whether they're clerks who have probably their own accounts or like showing them things. But I remember, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when we were talking about Justice Roberts you know, mentioning that he's up to date on the OK Boomer meme at oral <laughs> arguments. So who told him that? I don't know. Speaking of Justice Roberts, uh, so he's not been having very much fun <laughs> during the recess, to like unlike some of his uh, colleagues. Yes, I'm sure he's now breathed a sigh of relief that his long demanding, you know, side job of overseeing the um, only the third impeachment trial in American history has now come to a close um, on Wednesday with, uh, you know, obviously the acquittal of, of President Trump um, uh, on two articles of impeachment. Uh, so on the last day, you know, right after he had exited the Senate chamber, um, the GOP leader, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, he gave uh, Chief Justice Roberts a golden gavel. So this is a, it's kind of like a little memento that they give to new senators that have sat in the Senate chair for, for like a hundred hours. I remember, um, you know, uh, well, I don't remember, but <laughs> I know that uh, Chief Justice William Rehnquist was gifted uh, the, the, the golden gavel for, for his time presiding over the Clinton impeachment. And, you know, while he was somewhat short of a hundred hours, McConnell says, I think we can agree that the Chief Justice has put in his due and then some. Yeah, I have to wonder what he's going to do with the golden gavel, where he might uh, put it uh, on display. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. Does he keep it in his chambers? Does he? Does he uh, use pull it? A Could Rehnquist? he use it? <laughs> Does he use it? Well, actually, um, the I hate to actually, but uh, <laughs> the Chief Justice actually doesn't have a gavel at the Supreme Court. It's That's the. Right. Um, it is the the court martial that gavels and oh yay oh yay oh yays. It's yeah. the chief justice that just basically um, recognizes the counsel. But yeah. I was going to say maybe he pulls a maybe he pulls a um, a Rehnquist and you know donates the gavel. In the case of Rehnquist, he donated his um, his robe, of course. Um, but maybe maybe Roberts donates the gavel and and does what Rehnquist does and tries to claim some kind of uh, tax deduction for his charitable contribution to like the Smithsonian <laughs> or something like that. Oh, that, that'll be interesting to see if that ever pops up on, on one of his, uh, one of his filings. <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of um, sartorial flair with, you know, Rehnquist's famous robe that had the three yellow stripes. So we had speculated in the beginning of the impeachment trial, whether, you know, Roberts was going to bring some flair of his own. And while he didn't have the yellow stripes, there was an interesting blog article that uh, bubbled up last month. It was from a watch blog who had examined his timepiece from kind of the C-SPAN feeds of the impeachment trial. And they actually identified it as um, a white gold encased uh, paddock, I guess that's how you say it, paddock watch uh, that retailed in 2010 for $30,000. So he's that's definitely nice got some watch. flair of his own, a little bit understated <laughs> from the uh, yellow stripes. But yeah, so he did make good on, on, on that promise. Nice. 
Well, so I think that is just about all the news uh, for this week. Um, and I think that'll do it for us today. Thanks, Jimmy. It's been nice chatting about what the justices have been up to. Yeah, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. So the court will obviously be on break next week as well, but we will still have a, a special episode for you guys. So uh, please tune in. We'd like to thank our producers and editors, Stephen Schrader and Danielle Smith, and our executive producer, Amber McKinney. Music for the show comes from Slender Beats. For more information about all the high court action, please go to law360.com slash the term. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Law 360 and the term. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.